Hey everybody, welcome to ARE Live. I'm Mark Tier, the founder of Black Spectacles, and today we're going to be talking about what test anxiety is, which is an interesting topic, uh, something that's not often talked about in architecture. Um, but uh, we've come to learn here that it's a really important part of, uh, you know, taking these tests that is often not talked about, as they say. And so we have some really awesome guests today to help us uh, understand what test anxiety is and how to manage um, test anxiety and improve your exam scores, as well as some tactics and strategies to help you overcome it. So it should be a really interesting one. Um, after this episode, you'll have an opportunity to read a blog post that we've put together with information from our researchers and download a variety of useful test-taking strategies to help you feel comfortable and relaxed when you take the exam, which is really important, um, you know, to help you be successful. Uh, before we get started, um, if you'd like to attend our next ARE Live broadcast, we're going to discuss the project management exam with Mike Newman. Um, and we're going to, again, use a mock exam, and we'll cover all of the most sort of perplexing and difficult topics in that division. Um, and then with those practice questions, what we're going to do is we'll sort of explore issues related to some of the topics on the exam, like resource management, project um, work planning, project execution, uh, product, project quality control, et cetera. So it should be a really good session. You can go uh, onto our website, ARE Live. Um, and uh, and sign up for that podcast right now, actually. Um, in addition, we have a bunch of updates to our products that I want to share with you guys that are really excited, uh, are really exciting. First of all, we finally added uh, some new faces to our videos. Um, for those of you who, um, you know, have fallen in love with Mike Newman, um, I'm sorry to break it to you, but there are some other beautiful faces out there. And so we've... Um, what we've done is we've interviewed uh, folks at a variety of different architecture firms across the country, um, and we've discussed different different aspects of the exams um, in, in an effort to give you sort of a better understanding of the, of the objectives. Um, you can sort of imagine, right, um, if Mike is lecturing about the topics, what we did is we went out and we actually interviewed people telling stories about those specific topics. So if Mike ex is explaining you know, what a brick is and how, a, you know, what materials a brick is made out of, et cetera. Well, then someone at an architecture firm uh, tells a story about, you know, why they decided to use brick and, you know, when they compared it to, you know, using uh, glass, you know, why they made that decision. So it's really interesting. We call it our practical application videos. Um, that's now a part of our pro subscription. So if you already have a pro subscription, you now have access to all of that brand new content. Um, we also added to our pro subscription, um, our Black Spectacles Master Study Guide. So we finally put together one single document that has everything you need to be successful on these exams, including a day-by-day -day guide to what to study. Um, you could sort of imagine, right, there's six exams, there's a bunch of material you want to cover. So we actually um, organized your studying into a day-by-day -day guide of what to study. So should you be watching the videos? Should you be doing a practice exam? Should you be doing flashcards, et cetera? Um, we also have um, our, I believe it's our fifth cohort for uh, group coaching. So uh, if you'd like to, you know, um, work with a group of very motivated um, architects or aspiring architects along with a licensed architect who's going to be your coach, um, our group coaching program is a, is a, um, is a really wonderful way um, to, to help you get through that process. Um, so if you go to uh, blackspectacles.com slash group coaching, um, you can apply now. I believe uh, applications close uh, at the end of the month. So they, they close at the end of tomorrow. So make sure you go there to apply. And then we launched private tutoring hours with licensed architects. Some folks came to us and said, hey, we could really use um, 
you know, someone with some real one-on-one time. The group coaching program is great, but boy, I just need some one-on-one time. Um, so now we have private tutoring. Uh, you can go again to blackspectacles.com slash private tutoring, and uh, you can uh, evaluate whether that's a good fit for you. And then lastly, so many updates today. Uh, but lastly, if you haven't already heard, um, we are fifth exam. Um, so you know, uh, there's six exams. Well, we've submitted five of them to NCARB to be approved under their test prep uh, provider program, their approved test prep provider program. And we're the first ones to have the fifth exam um, approved as well. Uh, we've got, we're five for five at this point, really honored to be, uh, you know, have had all of our materials reviewed by NCARB and to be the first ones to have all of our stuff approved. They're reviewing our last uh, course right now. So uh, expect to have an announcement shortly on that, which is really exciting. So all that stuff is going on. Um, and uh, as I often like to say, uh, if you'd like your boss to pay for your Black Spectacles membership, be sure to tell them about our firm licenses for firms of any size firm. You can go to blackspectacles.com firms to learn more about that. And at the end, we'll have a special discount on Black Spectacles individual memberships to share. Um, and I'll share a coupon code at the end of this show. So lots of updates, lots of stuff going on here. Um, but today, as I say, today's all about test anxiety. Uh, we have a really special guest. Uh, we have two of them, actually. Our first one is Dr. Allison Carr. She's a licensed mental health counselor and counselor educator. Uh, Dr. Carr specializes in preparing counselors for the National Clinical Meta- Mental Health Counseling Examination. Oh, my God. Uh, Allison, that is an insane name. That's the NCMHCE. You guys think the ARE is hard? Oh, my God. That's insane. Um, uh, so you help... Uh, 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 folks prepare uh, through group and individual workshops. And you also develop prep materials for testers studying for that licensure exam. And uh, Allison's research uh, focuses on evidence-based techniques that decrease test anxiety and increase test scores on high stakes exams. So uh, we're really honored and excited to have you, um, Allison. Uh, so welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Hey. Awesome. So, and um, one of our wonderful um, Black Spectacles um, group coaches is also on uh, with us today, Laura Crane. Uh, Many of you know her, but Laura Crane is a project manager at Design Partners Incorporated, currently located in Hawaii. So now everyone on this webinar is jealous uh, because Laura's in Hawaii, (laughs) like I am. Um, uh, Laura has a bunch of, uh, you know, a wide diverse range of experience on large urban scale projects. located both nationally and internationally. Um, Her past project experience includes mixed use, high residential, um, or I'm sorry, high rises, educational institutions, offices, hotel, residential towers and resorts. Um, Laura received her master's of architecture uh, from the School of the Art Institute of Chicago, uh, where she continued to support her alma mater by participating as a member on their design council. She's also an advocate for young architects, previously serving as co-chair for Chicago's Young Architects Forum. Hey, I did that before. Um, As well as serving uh, as a director on AI Chicago's board of directors. Um, And as I mentioned, Laura's currently um, a coach for our Black Spectacles coaching program, coaching lots of young folks uh, through the licensing process. Um, has been quite successful in doing so. And certainly um, she's recently been recognized nationally for her significant contributions to the architecture, engineering, and construction community at a young age as one of the recent recipients of Building Design and Construction's 2017 40 Under 40 competition, which I am no longer eligible for, sadly. <laughs> um, in any case, uh, Laura, it's it's uh, it's it's great to have you again. How are you? 
today. Thanks. Happy to be here. Awesome. Um, all right. So um, let's talk a little bit about test anxiety. Um, Allison, um, you have quite expertise in, in this particular topic of test anxiety. Can you give us sort of, can you orient us here a little bit um, and just give us kind of the lay of the land for what test anxiety is and is it a real thing? Is it important? A little, a little, little, a few thoughts on, on that. Yeah, for sure. It is, it is very real. Um, it is very important. Um, you know, for everyone here, um, for, you know, you've all been in grad school, so you've probably experienced test anxiety. And if you're preparing for the ARE, you might be experiencing it too, but but um, sometimes we don't know, you know, exactly what's going on in the brain um, when we are experiencing test anxiety. So, what it is, um, of course, is fear or worry um, in or about evaluative uh, situations, and it's totally normal. Um, even more so when it comes to high stakes exams mm -hmm. um, like the ARE. Um, but the problem is that when test anxiety gets to a certain level, um, it compromises our performance on exams as a result of what's called uh, information processing impairment. <laughs> So, so these, so information processing impairment or or information processing challenges uh, refer to um, having a hard time with encoding or processing and retrieving information. Uh, some examples of this might be if if ever you've been taking a test and you've had that feeling, you know, that you know the answer but you just can't access it, uh, or maybe you know you read a question backwards. You, it might ask you what's the least likely answer to this question, but your brain reads it as what's the most likely question. Uh, or or maybe for those of you who are actively studying uh, right now, maybe when you've been reviewing um, a practice test, you might notice that you provided answers that you just know were totally wrong. And you might be like, why did I do that? That doesn't mm -hmm. make sense. I totally know that wasn't right. All of those are examples of things that might be caused by information processing challenges. So you want to kind of think of the brain as a computer. <laughs> and if too many programs are running at once, Obviously, none of them can run efficiently, um, and eventually the computer is going to crash. So that's what happens to testers on exam day. Test anxiety gets so high for, for some testers that the brain just crashes, and the tester can't retrieve all of the information you know they've worked so hard to learn so they fail the exam not because they didn't know the material um, but because information processing challenges prevented them uh, from being able to think clearly hmm. that's interesting so in a way yeah as you say uh, your brain's busy thinking about and dealing with the anxiety um, and really isn't freed up i guess as it were to sort of think about the actual content on the test is that sort of the basic idea Absolutely. High test anxiety requires so many emotional resources mm -hmm. and and the brain can just can only handle so much. So this is why keeping anxiety at a at a low level, um, you know, I suggest for for my testers try to keep it, you know, at a two or a three. Mm -hmm. This is one of the reasons it's 
it's so important, not, not only because having lower anxiety just creates a more uh, peaceful experience in general, but also because as soon as that anxiety starts to spike and get too high, mm -hmm. we're opening the door for the brain to crash. And then we're not able to showcase all of the knowledge we've been working so hard to, yeah. to learn along the way. Super interesting. Okay. So, um, so thank you for that. And and I guess for all of you who are listening in, you may already know this, but when we introduced this, uh, this topic to all of you, we asked you all for some feedback on, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges you have when you think about going through the whole experience of, um, of taking this exam. And one of the key, one of the first ones, certainly one of the, um, say the most widely commented on, um, let's say negative experiences that people have to deal with is the environment of Prometric where you actually take the test. Um, Laura, I wonder um, as we start to think about this and um, uh, experience that a lot of people have, can you maybe share your story, your experience um, as you've gone through and taken the, the test and sort of how it's affected you? Yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, I'm not going to sugarcoat it at all. It's terrible. <laughs> um, it's kind of just like a terrible version of TSA, right? The Prometric Testing Center, because all the rules and regulations that they have to follow, right? You're getting body scanned by a metal detector. Um, they're questioning your clothing choices. They're making you lift up your socks. Um, it's um, and your nerves are already, you know, rocked from studying for months for this huge exam and retaining the material. Um, and so you're kind of thrown into this whirl whirlwind and it's it's nothing that you expect it will be. Um, so with that said, <laughs> nothing can Sounds prepare awesome. you for this. <laughs> yeah. So my advice is to plan what you can, right? Like plan exactly plan out how you're getting to the testing center. If you're gonna walk there, do a drive run, just like walk there. If you're gonna drive, drive by, time yourself, see how long it takes, uh, make sure you're like going um, whenever your time is so you can calculate traffic, et cetera. But just plan what you can because once you're in there, it's, uh, yeah, you can't plan anything. So I'll, <laughs> I will share my horrific experience from my first exam. I took yeah. it from metric. Um, so Ari, um, I was taking my first exam, I was in 4.0, um, and I sketched, you know, they give you those pieces of paper, by the way, and if they give you a dark one and those crappy number two pencils, you can't always see what you wrote. <laughs> so huh. again, prepare what you can. So yeah. when you're practicing, get crappy paper and crappy number two pencils, um, because you, you want to simulate the environment as much as you can. Um, so anyways, I'm taking my first area exam. Palms are sweaty, heart's racing, I'm a mess. Um, I get through the exam. I'm going through the exam though. I I wrote, because the pieces of paper they give you, um, it's kind of like a book of paper, it's all stapled together. Mm -hmm. I wrote my first notes on the first page, but then I wanted to see my notes for what I was sketching on the second page. Um, so I ripped off the first sheet just so I could see it. And at the end of the exam, you know, you turn in all your materials. I bring earplugs, you have to give them back the earplugs, you have to give them the paper, you have to give them the pencils, you give them everything back. Um, well, the proctor informed me that I was missing a staple. 
What? And yeah. So I guess when I tore apart the book, I lost a staple. There are two staples holding it together. I guess I only returned one. So the proctor informed me that she would have to fail me um, for leaving the testing center with information if I did not find this one staple. <laughs> Come on. So for first exam, I go back into the testing room where everyone's testing, right? There's like doctors, there's nurses, there's beauticians. Everyone is in their own stress bubble test on testing. And I am army crawling on the floor <laughs> to find this staple. And I found it. <laughs> Are you serious? Um, yeah. And that was my first testing experience. Um, and you just have to take it with a grain of salt and find the humor in it. Because everyone's going to have some type of horror story from Prometric. And it's just, it's a part of the challenge that you've signed up for when you want to complete the ARE. I think that's a good way to think about it is it's just sort of, it's it's part of the test. You know, it's like, can you deal with sort of the administrative nonsense that's required? And I think probably in Prometric's defense, right, um, the thing they're trying to solve for, I would guess, is cheating, and they're trying to keep people mm -hmm. from cheating. Uh, and you can imagine the creative ways that people probably can come up with cheating. I'm sure maybe there's some some amazing technology for printing answers on staples that I have never heard of before, but um, maybe they take it a little bit to the extreme. But um, uh, Allison, I wonder if you have any comments on um, you know, how the environment uh, where someone takes a test can influence or uh, have an impact on, you know, someone's uh, test anxiety and or ability to, let's say, be successful. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and you are right about the methods that people can use to, to cheat these days. Um, I've had a few reports of um, about glasses, actually, mm. um, having little mini cameras in yeah. them that yeah. you know testers will use to take uh, to take photos of the screen, um, but Laura, what a oh, what a you're right. Everyone has a horror story, but that is that is rough. Um, you know, so so Laura's suggestion about in terms of reducing anxiety as it relates to the testing environment itself, um, you know. Laura's suggestion about driving to the testing center, you know, making sure that you're allowing enough time, um, super, super important. You know, the the key to, you know, I think managing the stress that's associated with some of these really strict protocols um, on test day, um, as well as the like the physically uncomfortable testing environment, um, is is to be prepared. Being prepared reduces anxiety because it puts you in control of your experience and, and not the other way around. Um, one of the ways that I try to encourage testers not to get too, too stressed out about these protocols um, is, is to think of it kind of like a game. Like mm -hmm. it's just, it's a game and there's just some rules that you just have to follow if you want to win. So just, just do it. Um, I, another thing that can help is, you know, and, and Laura was speaking to this too, um, in terms of being prepared, uh, complete your practice exams under conditions that are also uncomfortable. 
Um, you know, don't don't take a practice test in your comfortable bed at home. Go to a coffee shop that's noisy, that that presents distractions you might encounter on on test day. Feel cramped. Um, you know, maybe be overstimulated because of what everyone else is doing. Um, so you can be exposed to the same sort of challenges that you'll experience on test day. And the reason for that is it it helps you to build up those resources that you need to be able to keep anxiety uh, under control on test day. And, and just to get really specific um, with this, you know, I, I suggest, and Laura, I'm not sure, you, you might do this too. I actually suggest that testers schedule their practice exams in advance so that they can anticipate the tests and the, and also build up the um, you know emotional resources that are needed to to combat the uh, anticipatory anxiety that'll exist on on test day, and and so so schedule your practice tests just like the ARE will actually be scheduled, and you'll have to get nervous about that and get worked up. Um, and also, if you know the time of day that you're going to be taking your test take your practice test at that exact time of day. Um, if you know that your test is at 9 a.m. and you're gonna have oatmeal and you know you're gonna have uh, coffee, have that oatmeal and coffee um, before your practice exam on, on nine, at nine o'clock um, so that you are really getting comfortable with how your body is at that time of the day that you're gonna be doing um, the, the real exam. Um, and another thing, is, you know, for retakers, um, these protocols and the testing center itself can trigger anxiety, you know, because it could be a reminder of not passing before. So, so maybe, you know, a, a suggestion is to do a little, uh, a little therapy on yourself um, and, and remember that you could go into this exam 20 times at the same testing center and every single time is different and brand new. So leave those previous experiences at the door um, when you walk in. And then the last thing that can help with um, anxiety and, and physical discomfort, make sure to dress in plenty of layers. You never know if it's gonna be too hot or too cold. That's a great one. Um... Uh, one question, one thought here was, um, I think also, so these are really great. I love the idea of, of simulating the testing experience and do it at the same time. That's certainly triggering an idea. I think we've uh, discussed here internally as something we might um, try to help folks with, but I think that's a really good idea. I've actually never heard that. And it's, it's a, it's a good one. I think also just to note, especially all the folks, you know, uh, who are listening and thinking about the ARE in particular, I mean, I think a basic step here is, is make sure that you review all of the rules and regulations, you know, probably before you take each one of your exams, um, just so that you're sort of reminded of them. And I'm remembering when I used to go, um, and this was, you know, a long time ago, but um, I remember sort of, you know, trying to make, I don't want to say this, I don't want to overstate it, but just being like super nice to the person at, uh, at Prometric, just to try to kind of like, get them on your side a little bit, you know, sort of at least emotionally, you know, try to, um, like, oh, well, here I am, I'm, you know, I'm finally here for my big day, you know, to try to, um, you know, uh, you know, get them kind of rooting for you, at least, um, at least if nothing else, it, you know, it helps to kind of walk in there with um, a smile on your face and try to get a smile out of the, the person who works there. Um, it just makes the whole experience uh, maybe sort of feel a little bit more positive. 
um, especially if you're expecting it to be like TSA. In fact, that's how I deal with mm -hmm. TSA is I always sort of have, try to have a giant smile on my face just to sort of make all of us um, be a little bit more successful. Um, okay, great. Well, I think uh, that's really helpful. Some good ideas there. Um, moving on to the next one here, um, which is about the time limit. As you guys all know, uh, of course, this exam um, uh, is about, uh, I'm sorry, is timed, right? Um, and um, uh, Laura, um, I wonder what your thoughts are about your experience taking these tests under the, under the clock. Yeah, the time pressure is, I mean, it certainly doesn't help your anxiety level. Um, but I would just echo um, the comments from uh, Dr. Allison Carr that she previously said, because you just have to practice. Um, so when I'm working with my coaching group, um, you, if you've worked with me, you'll know, um, I always use air quotes around the word exam. I mean, this is a puzzle. This is a challenge. Um, and you just have to train yourself. I often use a marathon analogy um, because you can't just go <laughs> without training and, you know, run a marathon. Um, you have to train yourself. Um, this isn't, this isn't normal. This isn't by definition an exam, right? There, you're not given information and then you're not regurgitating the information. Um, and CARBs really develop these sophisticated exams that you have to really interpret what they're trying to ask you. Um, so in the environment, under the clock, it's very challenging. So again, duplicate the testing environment as much as you can. Test in a noisy coffee shop. Have friends type really loudly next to you or flip <laughs> pages in books. Um, again, use those crappy pencils on weird colored paper. Just duplicate anything that you can and do it under the time restraints. Time yourself. Um, don't allow yourself to like take a break because you're in your own home. Don't um, spoil yourself with, you know, a nice cup of coffee or anything. Mm -hmm. um, just do it. Just take it and um, practice and practice and practice. Um, there was one more thing I wanted to add. Um, hopefully, it'll come back to me. Yeah, maybe um, uh, maybe this will maybe this will provoke it. Um, what yeah. about? Um, and I know um, in the work that you've done, and also the work uh, Mike has done in his lectures, talks about strategies for thinking about time. Um, um, are there any sort of strategies, let's say, that you found to be useful in terms of organizing? Okay, so you have an hour, spend you know I don't know uh, one minute on each question. Is there any you know are there any tactics you've used, um, Laura? You yes, thank you for the cue. Yeah. You reminded me of exactly what I wanted to say. Um, so the worry is that you'll get caught up on a question, right? You'll spend too much time on a calculation or a certain question type, and then you're stressed for time for the rest of the duration of the exam. Mm -hmm. um, and this is where I like to remind everyone that we know, right, about 65% is what you need to pass. That means almost half the questions you can get wrong and still pass the exam. Um, so when you catch something that you're like rereading the question and then rereading again and you're not quite sure what they're asking for, skip it, tag it, mark it, come back to it. It might be one of the ones that you don't need to answer correctly. Yeah. Um, so skip those. And then um, also when you're in the testing center, so when you first start your exam, you get those like 15 minutes, like the introduction um, to the software. Um, 
when you have that time, because it doesn't take a whole 15 minutes to go through that. And because you've been practicing and utilizing black spectacles and um, programs that kind of mirror exactly what the um, interface of the exam looks like, you know what you're gonna do. So you don't need to focus that much on what they're telling you. You can kind of do a brain dump on this scratch piece of paper they give you. Mm -hmm. So write down cues. If there was something that you were confusing, um, write down the definition. If there's you know, some accessibility item that you just wanna make sure that you remember the right numbers and that you don't like flip them um, when you're asked under pressure, just do a brain dump right on the piece of paper in front of you. Um, it will kind of, for me, it would calm me down because it would remind me of just how much I actually know and how prepared you are. Um, and then the last little piece of advice I'd had, and I didn't learn this until like the last couple exams I took, um, a friend of mine who now practices in Wisconsin, um, she told me this cue, um, she would tell herself, <laughs> she'd sit down in the testing center, she'd start her exam and she'd give herself a little pep talk and tell herself she was cool as a cucumber <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> It would bring down my heart rate. I would do the same thing to tell myself I'm cool as a cucumber. I've got this and I would be able to calm down. My palms would be a little less sweaty, could hear my heartbeat just a little less, and then I could really focus on the exam, what I was there to do. Yeah, that's a great one. And I have to confess, um, although uh, it wasn't the cucumber one, but I remember doing something similar. Um, I think it's helpful and certainly love to know, um, Allison, what you think about that, that idea, right? That um, sort of hyping yourself up or pepping yourself up or pumping yourself up, you know, before you try to do something like this um, and thinking about sort of the, the time limit here. I wonder what your thoughts are here. Yeah, yeah. And first, I mean, that the, the positive self-talk, I am as cool as a cucumber. That is awesome. Um, other, other, um, similar terms that might be helpful for people or mantras to say to themselves are, are things like, I deserve to be here. Yeah. I've worked for this, you know, I've studied for this and, and I'm ready and I'm prepared and, and I'm ready to put my best foot forward. Uh, the, the time limit really creates so much pressure. Um, so first, as far as managing the anxiety around it, you know, first, determine if like where where you're at right now if if there really is a concern like is this is this real should you be stressed out about it because for some testers when they're early in the um, study process um they they might be taking longer than they should on certain questions it just takes time to, to practice so if someone's nervous about time because they're not completing the exams in the in the allotted time. Mm -hmm. um, well, that is a reason to be anxious. But over time and after after practicing and practicing and practicing, then the tester, um, you know, likely will uh, be completing the test in the allotted time. Um, so so I guess my my recommendation would be, you know, when you are getting to the point in your study, like go easy on yourself in the beginning. Um, but when you are getting to, well, go easy on yourself all the time, but <laughs> when you're getting to the point, you know, when, when you are about to be going into the exam, then check in with yourself and ask yourself if you need to be concerned about time. If, if you have been completing your practice exams, in the amount of time that you'll have on actual test day, there's your evidence. So you can maybe turn the volume down a little on the anxiety about time 
and say to yourself, well, I've practiced this and I know that I am able to complete this, these exams in the, the time that's allowed, or even for retakers, they may be able to say to themselves, you know, in the past, yeah, the time has been stressful to me, but it's never been an, I've never run out of time. So I can do this. Yeah, I think uh, looking at the evidence from your, uh, you know, from your practice is really powerful. Mm -hmm. um, all right, that's a good one. Um, so I guess in summary, uh, to say a couple things back to you guys, um, number one, practice, 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 um, practice under time constraints. That really helps. Um, and yes, shameless plug. Um, we did build our practice. Ex we did build our practice exams here at Black Spectacles to not only simulate the user interface, so everything basically looks the same uh, in the test. It's a web-based test, just like the real one is, et cetera. Um, but it's also timed. So yeah, shameless plug. You can you can do that practicing here. Um, but also, um, I love, you don't need to get all the questions correct to pass. That, that's a great one. Skip and flag questions if you're unsure. And the idea of giving yourself a pep talk before you start. I love that. You know, I'm ready. Um, I prepared. Um, I'm going to destroy this test. That's what I like to say to my kids before they have to go take a test. You're going to destroy this test, right? Um, and I deserve to be here, I think, is really good. And um, yeah, you know, reflect before you, you you go into the test and look at the evidence from your, your practice exam. I think it's super helpful um, in terms of, let's say, psyching yourself up um, that you're going to be in a good place. Um, sleep is a big issue as well. Um, Certainly, we've all heard the stories, Laura, about folks who, um, you know, stayed up all night and crammed, right? Um, but, uh, you know, mom always says, you know, make sure you get a good night's sleep. Um, what has your experience been when you take these tests um, and uh, in its relationship to, to sort of sleeping the night before? Yeah, you're never going to get the best sleep of your life, you know, the day before an ARE exam. Um, but you just have to plan and do the best that you can. Um, try, try to plan that day out before if you can. Um, I would, yeah, the full like 24, even if I could like 48 hours before the test, just plan it out exactly. Um, I recommend refraining from doing any other practice tests because no, ma no matter what your score, if you don't ace it, you're going to get some anxiety and it's it's not going to help you um, in the next few hours before your test. Um, so uh, do, do some, um, right, some proper like health diligence items, right? Like eat, eat a well squared meal, you know, make sure there's vegetables on there. Try to wear yourself out, go to the gym, um, do anything that you can that will ensure that you'll get a good night's rest. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of out of, out of your control. There's not, there's not much you can do except for to try to plan accordingly. Um, and then also, like I said, like plan your break at the test center. So just have everything pre-packed and ready to go. Um, so you can wake up the next morning, the material that you want to review before you walk into the exams there, um, your snacks are there. Anything that you might need is there. Your earplugs, make sure you put your earplugs in a little bag and bring them. Um, but yeah, there's, <laughs> from my perspective, and Dr. Allison Carr, I'd love to hear your advice, but it's, the only thing you can do is to plan. Yeah, Allison, what do you think uh, on this one? Yeah, for sure. Um, plan, plan, plan. And, and Laura, Laura's right, you know, the, 
it's very unlikely that anyone is going to get a, a peaceful, restful night of, of sleep prior to an exam uh, like this. But you have to do the best you can. And it, and it doesn't start the night before your, your test. It, it starts long before um, when you're studying. And, and so to, to use the marathon analogy that, that Lori used earlier, you know, you don't just show up at a marathon and run it for the first time on that day. You have to practice. So begin practicing when you're studying, um, you know, with the sleep hygiene, you know, really putting a, a really making that a priority. It's a priority um, for a number of reasons, but especially when you're studying for an exam like this, you need to be rested um, so that your brain is firing on all cylinders back to the whole brain like a computer thing, you know, you want to have a full battery. Um, another thing as far as getting a good night of sleep goes is for some people, beginning a meditation practice is helpful as well. Um, and, and that doesn't have to, um, it doesn't have to consume hours of your life. Um, spending even just 10 minutes a day uh, just in silence and doing some deep breathing or downloading, you know, there are a ton of apps available now and um, even free stuff on YouTube um, that are guided meditations um, for people who might be getting uh, just beginning uh, to start meditating and, and meditation can help tremendously uh, with being able to fall asleep or get back to sleep. And uh, you can use those skills that you build the night before the exam, do a good meditation and also prior to going into your exam on test day. And the last thing, like Laura mentioned, I, I suggest no more practice exams the day before because you know just like laura said you're there's no score that you could there will be some way of you being able to experience a spike in anxiety so the day before the exam rather than doing practice practice tests might just be a better idea to plan that day as just a review day yeah i think that's uh um I think that's a, a really a hard part, right? Is this idea that at some point you have you actually have to set it down, and you have to sort of sort of become okay with the preparation you've put in, even if it's insufficient. Even if you're like, man, I've really planned on studying for 60 hours and I only studied for 20 hours. If you're going in, like it doesn't help to be worried about that. You have to sort of um, sort of put it down, I suppose. So I like that. I think that idea of no practice exams a day before you do a review day. So maybe it's sort of a flashcard day. Um, that's often, I remember that being a useful uh, tactic um, um, here as well. Um, um, Allison, um, have you found that um, um, that sleep does have, um, uh, I mean, I guess maybe it's self-evident, but maybe, maybe you could elaborate on this, but does, you know, having all that rest and sleep, does it really make a difference in the, in the testing room? Um, or is it more of just sort of, you know, uh, I don't know what, what people say. Is, is there, are there results out there that really prove that it's, it makes a big difference? It, it, yes, there, there are. And so there, there is quite a bit of research on, you know, the importance of sleep so that our, basically, so our bodies and brains can repair mm -hmm. um, overnight. And so if we are running on, you know, little sleep consistently 
um, you know, for, for a long time, um, we're, our, our brains are not at their best, which means when we're encoding the information, when we're learning the information, we might not be um, learning it as well as we could. We might not be retaining it as well. Um, and again, when our brains are not um, when our brains are depleted and um, we're exhausted, it's really hard to retrieve um, the information that we, you know, that we have stored in there. Um, but, but the real important part, it's not, it's not just, you know, again, it's not just the night before the exam. You got to get a good night of sleep. You're probably going to get a crummy night of sleep the night before the exam. What's more important is consistency for like multiple days in a row, I mean, ideally multiple weeks or months in a row, um, you know, to, to be prioritizing the sleep hygiene um, is important. Yeah, I think that's really uh, helpful. Um, and I know just, just me personally, as I, you know, um, do the things that I do here at Black Spectacles, boy, um, especially coming from the, the world of architecture where sleep is something that's uh, very much a luxury. Um, I've sort of learned the opposite that in fact, it's hard to, it's hard to do uh, a good job um, at what I do without um, sort of enough sleep. Um, and uh, I know, you know, from the experience of taking the test just myself um, that I actually had never heard that, that it's not just the night before um, it's the week before um, it's the, it's the weeks before um, again, also, prompting a, an interesting idea uh, for something uh, for us to do here to help folks uh, with these tests. So I think those are uh, those are really good. Um, before we go on to a couple of questions, um, I know we touched on a couple of the, let's say the, the cognitive or sort of the brain uh, tactics and strategies to deal with anxiety. Um, Allison, are there others that we haven't touched on that you think are, are worth mentioning uh, when folks are trying to figure out, hey, how can I deal with, um, you know, test anxiety so that I can be successful in these tests? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let's, let me just um, mention a couple of sort of broad ones. Um, mm -hmm. that might benefit um, the majority of people. Of mm -hmm. course, when you're, you know, doing like individual uh, or private tutoring um, with Laura, it's likely that she might make um, specific recommendations, you know, for an individual, but, but some general stuff. Um, so one of the most important ones, let's start with um, some cognitive things. So cognitive, you know, we're, we're referring to like our brain and how we're thinking. Um, so, so, so important to tell yourself, I do not have to get every answer correct. I do not need to earn a perfect 100% on this test. And to even maybe take that a step further and say, I'm definitely going to get answers wrong on the test. I am absolutely not going to get every answer right. And I'm, I'm certainly going to see things that I haven't seen before. And that's okay, because I don't need a 100%. Mm -hmm. um, and then another um, cognitive uh, piece, you know, telling yourself, my anxiety does nothing to serve me. All that my high anxiety is going to do on test day is prevent me from showcasing all that I have learned. Um, so, you know, just remembering if this has this thing, this high anxiety has no benefit in my world at all. Um, and let's see, um, you know, Allison, another thing. Oh, oh, sorry, you brought Laura. up a really good point. Um, so 
the the whole fear about these exams like right what triggers all the anxiety is you don't want to open that email and get the letters like fail in size 48 font like shoved <laughs> in your face right um it's pretty that's also a pretty terrible part of the exam um, i'm not quite sure why the text has to be so large but um here's the thing and you can really only appreciate it in hindsight so those of you that are currently testing, just try to put yourself in a mindset that you can understand, but failing is not terrible. Going into that exam is a huge accomplishment. And to be honest, so I failed three of the seven exams that I took for, for .0. Um, the ones that I passed, the four that I passed the first time, I do not have any retention of that material. The ones that I retook, I was able to retain that information and I can still use it in my practice. So failing, which is what we're getting so concerned about, isn't that bad because it gives you an opportunity to really become a better architect, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the whole reason of this process. Yeah, I Absolutely. think that's a really good one. Go ahead, Allison. Sorry, Mark, I didn't mean to talk over you. No, go ahead. And, and like Laura, I, I failed my licensure exam um the first time that i took it and it was the greatest gift to me you know as a clinician ever um if, if i had passed it the first time i i think i would have had a very i i i would have thought that i was a lot more knowledgeable than i really was and i to this day even with testers who have retaken the licensure exam five six seven times when they do pass it to this day i have never surveyed a tester who has said, I should have passed it sooner. They always say, I'm glad it happened this way. This mm -hmm. is how it needed to, to happen. So it, yeah, it is a gift. And, and going back to, um, and, and I mean, another thing too, I guess along these same lines, you know, this process is supposed to be hard. If it were, if it were easy and if everyone passed the, this exam, I mean, that might be concerning, um, but but going back to the cognitive part of the things too, mm -hmm. and like you know the things to tell yourself to, to manage the anxiety. Another thing you can tell yourself, and and I know the the voice of high anxiety is so loud, and fear of failure it creates so much noise in our brains. But if you can just try to silence that noise, and and maybe even just buy into the idea. You know, I only have to keep my anxiety under control for these three to five hours that I'm taking the exam. That's it. As soon as this is done, and I and I and I deserve that. I oh I I have worked hard for this. I deserve to to feel calm and at peace as I work through this this exam. And then when the test is over, I can be as stressed out and as anxious as I want to be. Um. So that's another cognitive piece that can help some testers. Um. And then a couple of behavioral things. So this is a pretty obvious one. Um, we all, you know, many of us know the benefits of deep breathing. Um, it really does work. Uh, so, so deep breathing in between each question that you're asked, like just doing one really big inhale and one really full exhale um, in between each question can, can help with anxiety management. Um, if you feel a high spike in anxiety, uh, maybe you see a question that is like in an area that you were just hoping you wouldn't see on your test, so your anxiety rises quickly, um, take a second to, to double up on those breaths 
do do two or three and and a tip is you know again do a full inhale but when you do your exhale really extend that out breath it, so it's like every bit of air is out of your lungs and also envisioning when you are doing this deep breathing um like that your heart is what's doing the breathing, you know, like from your chest, that can uh, be a helpful behavioral tool as well. Um, progressive muscle relaxation uh, involves kind of going from like the head to the toes and relaxing every muscle in the body. When we're experiencing high anxiety, our body just tenses up. So, you know, you can start with your, your head, um, relaxing your face muscles, relaxing your shoulders, your stomach muscles, um, and, and you, you, can, you can clench the muscles and then uh, release them. That helps. But if you don't have time to do like a full body scan, um, one quick little tip, this is one of my favorites. Um, like I said, every muscle gets tense when we're feeling highly anxious, but this helps so many people. And it might sound kind of weird, but release the tension in your tongue muscle. Hmm. Often when we're tense, we find our tongue is, is tense and pushed up on the top of our, the roof of our mouth. But if we relax that muscle, we can actually experience, for some people, they can experience um, muscles release in other parts of their body too. And the last thing for a, a behavioral, a quick little behavioral tool, um, one of the ways to manage um, testing anxiety in the evaluative situation um, is to stay present, um, to really be connected with yourself and your body. Uh, so a grounding technique to keep you present, and this also might sound kind of silly, um, squeezing your thumb or feeling your feet on the ground. This can bring you to center and make you, um, and you know, bring bring you to uh, feeling present uh, in the moment. Those are just a couple tips. Yeah, I think that's uh, awesome. And now, architect's going to be the uh, the most made fun of people in the in, in all the pro pro metric pro metric employee lounges because we're going to make all these <laughs> these funny, awesome um, uh, motions. <laughs> With architects in the and they're sticking out their tongues. God, they're so <laughs> the accountants, they don't do that. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> you awesome. know what's great? What's great about those two techniques, though, relaxing the tongue muscle and squeezing the thumb or feeling your ground on the floor. You know, it's helpful in, in, in as it relates to being in a test in a testing situation that's anxiety provoking. But those are also tools that can help with general anxiety in other yeah. situations too. And no one will know you're doing them. No one can see what you're doing. Um, so it's um, those are they're they're helpful and discreet. Yeah. That's yeah, right. I feel like I could do some of those in client meetings. That is great advice, Allison. Oh, good, good. I love it. I love it. Um, so thank you for that. I think those are awesome tips um, for folks. Uh, you know, if you're catching yourself uh, caught up in a little anxiety, I think, um, or even a lot of anxiety, it could certainly help. Um, we have a couple of questions from the group and a couple of comments. Um, a couple of people are mentioning that. Um, um, Laura, you mentioned something about that sort of brain dump onto the paper during the pre-15 minutes. Some folks are saying, wait a minute, maybe that's not allowed anymore. And then there's a couple of other comments about a couple of things to re remind yourself um, about the rules of Prometric. And so what I'll say is that just remember that, listen, the rules change um, from time to time. So Laura is telling her story from when she did it. Um, it's quite possible that the rules have changed. Um, 
But uh, what I would recommend, sort of the key principle here is, as I said, make sure you review the rules um, uh, that Prometric has. You know, NCARB has their rules for uh, for their part, but then Prometric has their rules too. So it's not just sort of one thing, it's both. You have to make sure you review them. Um, and then um, let's see. Yeah, and if, if Prometrics change that and you can't initiate anything on your scratch paper till you begin the exam, then I would change it up and I would do it at the beginning of the exam um, if, if needed. If you need that confidence booster, if there's anything that you've been confusing, I mean, that scratch piece of paper is there for you to use. Yes, and you know, I think uh, when I look at the questions that we have here, again, a lot of them are really specific to sort of the rules around Prometric, which we're not going to get into. So, um, um, but um, uh, Emmeline here mentions, which is an interesting one, and I know I've heard it a number of times before, um, a comment about you know ha having anxiety around not knowing vocabulary because maybe English isn't. Uh, you know, the first language, um, and that acts as another layer of difficulty. I wonder if either of you have any comments for those of uh, our listeners out there who maybe English isn't their first language um, and how to maybe, certainly that complicates things a little bit or maybe a lot. Um, any thoughts on how to kind of handle that, guys? Um, I mean, you want to start? Yeah, it's definitely an added challenge, right? So the AREs, they're only offered in English. There's no other option to take it in an alternate language. Um, and yes, so if you studied internationally and then you're um, testing in the United States, it's, it is a bit of a disadvantage, um, but it, it really shouldn't be any vocabulary that you don't see in the office every day. Um, I think that they've done a really great job um, in CARB has to make these exams kind of um, universal for all testing applicants. So, I mean, just, just prepare with, if you prepare with the testing material and black spectacles and anything else that's out there, I think that you should be adequate, adequately prepared and you're not going to be stuck on specific words. And I think maybe just to that point, Laura, um, you may, if, if you're one of these of these people, um, you may actually adjust your timing and your strategy for when you decide to start taking the exams by saying, hey, listen, um, I haven't worked in an office for a couple of years yet, and it would be a good idea to get some of that vocabulary sort of under my belt and to have the experience of working with architects, you know, in a real office so that I encounter much more of that language of vocabulary. And so you might delay and you might wait a, a couple of, uh, let's say years or maybe maybe months. Um, also, you know, you might actually make, um, you know, that material. So maybe, uh, you know, notching up your, um, your abilities uh, with the English language, you might make that part of your prep. You might, you know, take, um, you know, a course or two to try to, uh, let's say, improve your skills in that area before you start studying or maybe alongside your studying for the exam as well. So it might just be, you know, something just like some people they need to, um, you know, maybe uh, increase their, you know, their basic math skills. Um, so they might take a, a course in this or that. Um, you know, you may add that to your study um, regimen as well. Um, Allison, I think I maybe have cut you off there. Was there something else that you had? Oh, no, no, no. Um, so yeah, I was going to say that this is a this is a real issue. This does create anxiety for people. Um, if English is not the first uh, language on a credentialing exam, it is only offered in English. Um, 
other things uh, that that are along these same lines too include, you know, learning dis learning difficulties. Um, maybe someone has a specific learning disorder mm -hmm. or ADHD, or they might um, have uh, visual impairment issues that could present um, challenges. And so, um, I'm not sure what the rules are um, around this, but I would encourage uh, testers to. Um, to contact, um, I don't, I don't know if they would contact NCARB, but mm -hmm. or the testing center itself, but to to determine if there are any special accommodations offered for whatever that particular issue is. In in the exam that I specialize in in working with, um, it, like for example, if someone has ADHD and um, distractibility is a major problem with medical documentation, they might qualify for um, a special accommodation mm -hmm. of having their own private testing room or having extended time and for testers um, that English isn't the first language the the special accommodation that's often offered to my testers um, is a, a dictionary that translates from whatever the language is to mm. English if special accommodations are not an option um, you know this is I, I, I mark what you were saying you know turn that into part of your study process like you know and and to to really to be more specific um keep track maybe of certain terms or words that you come across that aren't clear to you and present those to your private tutor Pre present those to laura and say can you help me understand what this what this means in this context i often have um part some of the work that i end up doing is helping testers who English is not their first language um, determine what it means when a case is presented and says something like the client feels blue and a tester is like what does that even mean because that's a term that makes sense to many people that speak English but to someone that doesn't that that could be really confusing so just having having someone that you can just verify things with mm. and say help me understand these terms um, can be helpful yeah, I think that's a really good one. Um, having a buddy, um, I think that's a great one. So, well, hey, uh, I want to thank uh, both of you, um, Allison and, and Laura, for participating in this and and sharing your experiences and your knowledge uh, with us. Uh, I think it's been a really great session. Um, I know I just personally learned uh, a bunch of great uh, tips and tactics uh, that could have been useful um, back in my day, um, and maybe would have kept me from failing those tests that I failed um, on my journey to get licensed. I will say uh, to all of you who are listening, um, and I try to say this as much as I can, I mean, I kind of, I, I don't know very many stories of, of architects who go through this process and don't fail at least one exam. Um, I would say it's it's probably, probably the 80-20 rule. I bet 80% of the people who take this test uh, fail at least one, if not multiple ones. Um, so, um, uh, and, you know, us architects, you know, we like to put on a, a show about how awesome we are. So uh, perhaps it, uh, may feel like, uh, you know, everyone's passing, but, um, uh, you know, I mean, I think the average pass rate is like 55%, which means more than half the people who take these tests right now, um, aren't passing. So, um, uh, I don't mean that to discourage you, but instead to sort of say, Hey, listen, as I think Laura, you made a great point that, um, the real reason, the real value people get it, get out of this, um, is that you learn a bunch of stuff that makes you a better architect. And so um, I think if you can kind of live with that, um, you know, it'll help you get through these exams. So again, thank you guys uh, for, for your help today. Um, if any of you who are listening right now would like to attend our next ARE Live broadcast, um, whereas I mentioned, we're going to be talking about um, 
um, project management. We're going to be doing a, a mock exam to cover all of the, uh, not all of them, but you know, a, a lot of the kind of key principles there. Um, I just posted a, a link in the chat box uh, in the GoToWebinar control panel, so you can go down to uh, that chat box, and the link is right there. You can go ahead and register, or you can simply go to blackspectacles.com slash podcast um, and register yourself there. And just like today's episode, you have a chance to um, you know, ask questions during the live session and get feedback. Um, to learn a little bit more about what we do here um, in our exam prep curriculum, you can go to blackspectacles.com or you can try out any of the free course videos. And as I said, if you want your boss to pay for your membership, be sure to visit blackspectacles.com slash firms to learn more about our firm memberships and so forth. For those of you who are ready to start preparing for the ARE right now, you can use uh, the coupon code that I mentioned at the beginning. Uh, I would I would uh, help you or share with you guys. Um, and that coupon code is CTA. 103018PC to get a 15% discount for the entire duration of your ARE exam prep membership. And then finally, tomorrow, we're going to send you an email follow-up about today's live broadcast. So please let us know what you think and share any feedback that you guys might have, as well as any ideas for any other podcast episodes you'd maybe like to hear. Um, We read every word that you guys write and use them to tune um, our next episodes. So thanks, everybody, for uh, tuning in.